Hello, and welcome to the Nurse to Nurse podcast with Starshima and Kevin, the podcast for the nursepreneurs. Get ready for some straight talk on everything nursing and more. All right, so welcome, everybody. Thank you for uh, coming to our podcast. This is my solo that I told Starshima I would do. I don't fucking like it, but I'm doing it anyway. But anyway, since I am doing this, we're going to do urinary catheter types, the how-tos and complications, and we'll see how this goes. Yeah, Miss Pat's over here dancing for me. Y'all just can't see her and stuff. Come on, baby, dance. Yeah, dance, baby. Come on, shake that booty. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, but nobody can see that. Over here, get on camera and show everybody your booty. (laughs) All right, so you can find us on Facebook, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, Anyway, I hope that you enjoy this class. It's not a big detailed class, but it's my solo. And we'll we'll try to do better next time. I just got a plan. I got so much on my plate. So I got to start planning better to do this. So we'll talk about the different types of urinary catheters. Um, there's many different types of urinary catheters, and it just depends on what the patient needs, where you're going to work, uh, what type of patient or what type of urinary catheter they'll need. Um, there's a three-way Foley. The three-way Foley catheters, uh, they work like a, a regular Foley catheter. However, if you look on the screen here, a regular Foley catheter only has a balloon port that inflates the balloon, and then it has the port here that you connect the urinary drainage bag to so you can empty out the patient's uh, urine. However, with the three-way Foley, they have this extra port. And the reason why they have this extra port is for patients who have what's called a TERP. If you don't know what a TERP is, better look that up. I'm not going to talk about TERPs today, but this three-way Foley is typically for a, a TERP, a patient who has had a TERP. So if you look at this third port here, you're going to hook up an IV bag that comes in and the, it's a normal saline bag or some other kind of solution that the physician wants that will go into the Foley. It will drain into the patient's uh, bladder and will come back out the Foley drainage bag. And it's to help prevent clots. It's to keep, you know, because they went in, they resectioned the, the uh, prostate area in there and it may have damaged some of the bladder, but it's to help keep it from clotting. And so that's a reason why you may use a a three-way Foley. Another type of Foley is called a red rubber. I don't know why, but sometimes I remember um, being a young nurse, somebody calling it a red robin. I don't even know if that's a a valid uh, name, red robin, but that's what we call them. Um, But a red, red rubber catheters are a type of intermittent catheter. They function exactly the same as uh, every other catheter. The only thing they don't have, though, is it doesn't have a balloon on the end. And so um, they function exactly the same. They're a little bit thin. They're made of rubber latex instead of plastic. So if you have a patient that has latex allergies, you can't use it. So, um, But red rubber, cath- red rubber catheters are used for people who need intermittent catheters. So if you have a patient that just needs a catheter, uh, we use straight catheters as well, but straight catheters very hard to rigid and it may it may hurt your patient sometimes. So red rubber is a little bit more easy uh, inserting. Um, there's 100% silicone, and so 100% silicone you can see on the screen it looks the same. You got the balloon over here. You got the drainage bag. Um, this one though particularly has a coude tip on it. We'll talk about coup coup days here in a little bit but 100% Foley catheters they work just like any other type of Foley 
The only difference, they're made of entirely silicone instead of latex. So if you have a patient that has allergies or sensitive to latex, you may want to use 100% uh, uh, silicone Foley catheter. Um, we have what's called coated Foley catheters. They look exactly like your regular Foley catheters. However, co uh, coated Foley catheters are latex catheters that have been overlaid with some other substance. So a common coating could be Teflon, silicone, silver. Uh, it just depends on, but it helps these types of things that help pre prevent with infection. Uh, central lines sometimes have these things as well. Like when you insert a central line for uh, infusion therapy, they may have some type of coating to help prevent or help decrease the risk for infections. You know, we we got to think about when we put in our catheters, does the patient really need that? So you got to think about that one. So these are Coudé catheters. I don't know if you can see here, but these Coudé catheters have these funky tips on it. So Coudé catheter has a bent or tapered tip. Um, they're designed to help maneuver through any kind of blockage or constrictions that may be going through their, you know, their urethra. Uh, the pathway that you're going to put in the Foley catheter to get to the bladder. A lot of times these are used for like patients who have enlarged prostates. Um, but like I said, they do come in different shapes, different sizes, different different tips and stuff. <clears throat> so they almost looks, it's almost like a uh, NPA that you would use for the nose has that curved angle. So that way when you're inserting it, you hit a blockage, you can rotate it and will help try to get in there. But you don't want to force it if you can help it. And then everybody knows the regular folding catheter. You have these uh, drainage port here, and then you have the airway port here to inflate the balloon. The folded catheter is the most common catheter we use. It's a single lumen. It helps drain the urine. Um, you, you use sterile water or a sterile normal saline to inflate the balloon. Um, it's a very common thing that we use here. So talking about the anatomical structures <clears throat> of a patient, you want to make sure, though, when a medical provider orders uh, a catheter for the patient that is necessary. Don't just put in a catheter because you're lazy. You don't want to clean up somebody. You know, they have a lot of things called the Purewick is a very good device that you can use instead of a Foley catheter. Um, I'm not a big fan of briefs. I know people like briefs because, you know, when the patient's incontinent, helps get keep it getting uh, on the on your sheets and it helps keep the urine from going everywhere. The problem with briefs, though, is they're, they contain everything. And if a patient's very acidic and the urine's acidic, uh, older patients and younger pa younger children, their skin's very delicate so that acidity staying against the skin all day can cause wounds and breakdowns and stuff. So it's better to me to use underpads or chucks. And I don't mean the ones you launder, just the paper chucks, you know. And they make good ones nowadays, so I don't know why we're not doing a better job at this. But you have to look at the risk versus the benefit. Does a patient really need a Foley? You know, if they don't need a Foley, then determine. They have checklists that we can use. Um, start using your critical thinking skills. Like, do they really need a catheter? But once you, once you determine that they knew, do need a catheter, you have to understand and know uh, the, the client's anatomy, don't know, the patient's anatomy. So here's a picture, female versus male. If you look at here, going into the female, the urethra is very short. So once you go in, you got the urethra, you're going in, it's boom, it's almost a direct hit. And so this is why women have a higher risk for urinary tract infection. There's not a lot of things blocking the infection or the root pathway of infection. So it goes right straight to the bladder almost. So this urethra is very short. 
And so I was asking this class, what does a urethra look like? And one of my students in the back said, you know, they gave me the winking sign. It does wink. But you have to think about what does a urethra look like. And if you pull down your lip, very smooth, you know, should be smooth, pink and moist, round. You know, the older you get, it may be odd, odd shaped and stuff because gravity starts to pull down. But the reason why you uh, want to know this about your patient is, is for almost 20, 30 years, we've taught nurses before you insert the foley, you want to inflate the balloon to check for the integrity. And we, we, we never really understood why we did this. You know, a lot of us thought, well, if the balloon doesn't work and we put it in, the foley's going to fall out. But who gives a shit? The foley falls out, put another damn thing back in. But we don't want to inflate the balloon anymore. This has been proven like almost five, six years ago to not check the integrity of the balloon before you insert it. And the reason why is when you, when you, Take your foley out. I'm going to go back here. When you take your foley, I don't know, look at the tip. It's nice and round, smooth. But then when you inflate this balloon and you deflate it, it becomes all wrinkledy. And when it becomes wrinkledy, then... Are you in the healthcare field or would you like to learn how to save a life? Let Central Valley Medical teach you today. We offer CPR and first aid, IV therapy, ACLS, PALS, NRP, and more. Visit us at www.morethancpr.com or call us today at 559-765-0306. We do more than just CPR. Learn to respond to a code, not react. Then when you insert it in, it's going to cause a lot of micro tears in your patient's urethra. Even in the male here, as you're going in, it's going to cause a lot of micro tears in here throughout the urethra. When, uh, the female patient's even, uh, even more important because their urethra is so short. So as you create these micro tears, you're also maybe possibly dragging in um, bacteria with it. And then when you inflate the balloon, you're shoving bacteria into these micro tears. And that's a big cause of urinary tract infections. So you got to not inflate the balloon. And, you know, a lot of schools are still teaching this shit. And I'm not sure why. Maybe because the old nurses don't know that. They're too lazy to read a new book that they give their own damn students. On the male uh, patient here, though, it goes through the meatus. This is the head of the meatus here. It goes through the urethra. Then here it passes through the through the vas deferens and the, and the uh, seminal vesicle and the, and the prostate here and so if you do have a prostate that's swollen it kind of constricts and it's hard to get through here but this is why it's important to understand your anatomy and this is why you use a turp because as a turp they remove all of this right here they cut all this out and it becomes very uh, bloody inside this area here and so as it's passing through it would block off the urine and blood gets up in here and collects in here it would block off the urine so you use a three-way foley to to continuously put fluid in so that way when it comes back out, you're keeping it clear. A big rookie mistake is when you're doing what's called CBI, continuous bladder irrigation, is you do it until the fluid starts to become clear. And then you slow it down, but you don't stop it. But a rookie mistake is once it starts getting clear, they slow it down too much or they stop it. And then now you're going to cause your patient to become clotted. So you don't really want to do that. So prior to insertion, though, this is a big pet peeve of mine. So in those packets of um, in those packets that they give us to insert foleys, they got these little betadine things with only three little swabs. Well, now some of them have these little wipes that you're supposed to use to 
to do pericare. I'm not a big fan of them. They're not very big and stuff, especially female patients if they're incontinent and they have, you know, they defecated on themselves. All the feces gets up in there. If you don't know what feces is, that's a medical term for shit. So all the caca gets up into the vaginal space and then you're just smearing it around. And then you take the bed dying, you smear around shit even more. You have to do pericare really well. Don't be lazy. Because if you do pericare very well, you're 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 decreasing the amount of bacteria in that area. Remember, females have a lot of folds. You got the labia major, the labia minor. It's all packed in there, you know, even though it's dark and moist and they have a higher risk for infection. You want to make sure you clean it out very well. But you want to always follow your policy. But you want to do you want to do pericare the best you can before you even start doing your uh, sterilization or disinfecting of the area. Assess the patient for any pain or discomfort. Inspect the meatus, inspect the, the the urethra. Don't just shove it in. Look before you start doing all this, because is it is it already infected? Is there already issues? If you don't pay attention to that and you put in the foley, now you're going to get blamed. So you want to make sure this the catheter. Look at the catheter. Um, you know, look around it. Like once it's already in and you've already had the patient with the foley catheter, though. Do a, a at least once or twice a shift. Look at the urinemiatus. Look at the urethra and look at to see if it's any kind of infection or irritation around. Look in the tubing of the catheter. Is there any crusty stuff in there? Uh, you want to make sure that you clean daily. You know, don't just be lazy and stuff. Um, but they don't really recommend that you do antiseptics. You know, just soap and water is the best. And remove any kind of dirt and crusted tubings from the materials. Uh, that way you don't have any kind of a flow of structure that once you uh, insert the Foley catheter. So when you insert it, though, you know, we looked up the CDC. CDC says you want to confirm that the patient meets the guidelines. So if you don't know what the CDC guidelines is for a Foley catheter, go to the CDC and look it up. Don't be lazy. That's your job. Um, a patient has an acute urinary retention or bladder outlet obstruction like a chirp. Right. And you want to or maybe you need accurate urine output measures like ICU patients, sometimes ER patients we need or surgical patients. You want to make sure that you have, you know, necessary uh, or the, the appropriate means to measure accurate outputs and inputs. You want to use make sure you use it if you need it for certain surgical procedures. Uh, you know, female patients, like if you have a um, uh, any kind of vaginal um surgery or a c-section and things like that maybe they may need a foley catheter uh, maybe to assist or heal any kind of sacral wounds because like i said the urine is very sometimes very acidic and it gets down there around the skin and it can cause wounds even more and then patients who require prolonged immobilization my biggest thing is if you got a patient that's quadriplegic and they got a foley catheter in it's best to recommend a super pubic catheter because it's better long term for the patient um, is it for end of life care? But now, even with end of life care, I disagree with that because um, they got the pure wick and the pure wick is awesome. If you don't know what the pure wick is, P-U-R-E-W-I-C-K, pure wick, look it up, man. It's very nice and it works very effectively. Um, you you want to make sure you select the smallest Foley catheter possible. You don't need a big one. Just like all these nurses that want to put in 18 gauge needles. Not every patient needs an 18 gauge needle. Not everybody needs a damn 14 French Foley or 14 French NG tube. So try to use the smallest device that you can that will help the patient, you know. Uh, make sure you insert the Foley using aseptic technique and use sterile equipment. 
The one thing I have noticed is that we're very lazy. When you bring the bedside table on, nobody cleans the bedside table. You should use your purple top Super Saiyan wipes and clean it for two minutes. All, not just the top of the table, the sides of the table, underneath the table, down on the table. Do the same thing with your bed rails because these think about the things that when you're inserting the foley, you may touch. You know what I mean? So you want to make sure that you clean the patient well, clean your equipment around, surrounding area well. I'm going to send you a link or I have Jane send you a link. Um, I found this uh, website it's from the Tennessee uh, Nursing Board and it's called C-A-U-T-I-C-A-U-T-I, C-A-U-T-I, Catheter Associated Urinary Tract Infection Simulation. It's a pretty good video, but I have a few quirks about it that I don't like. But overall, it's very good. It teaches you how to uh, insert a foley, how to clean, do pericare. So I encourage you to go and take a look at it. You want to wash your hands and don your gloves. Clean gloves, not sterile gloves. And then you're going to open the outer wrap so you can remove the components of your Foley catheter. Remember, the top part of your Foley tray is not really sterile because that top one is where you're going to lay the chuck underneath the patient. So you got to pay attention to that. And then when you're opening the Foley tray, just like any other sterile kit, don't reach across because once you reach across, you're going to contaminate stuff. Make sure you put it, you know, pull back towards you, pull on each side, pull on each side, reach, move around this way to pull your catheter so you're not reaching across. You want to place that pad that's, un, you know, that's in the Foley kit, place it underneath the patient, plastic or shiny side down. And then you want to make sure you use the provided packet. It's the, they call it castile soap wipes. That's the ones I told you about. And you'll see it in that video that I'm going to, that I'll uh, have Jane put in the link and stuff. Um, the only problem I have with the video they did when you're looking at the patient, if you're looking at a female patient, you're looking at the vagina. On the outside here, the labia majoris on the left, labia majoris on the right, and then it kind of folds in the middle to the labia minor. You're supposed to take a wipe on the left side and go down in between the labia minora and labia minor, or labia majoris and labia minor, and wipe from the top down on one side, top down on the other side, and, and right down in the middle. Remember, front, top to bottom, front to back. On the video, if you notice her, she only goes right in the middle. It's like she splits the fold. One, two, three, but she never cleans the outer edges and stuff. And that alone right there can cause an increased risk for infection. So when you watch that video, see if you notice that. <clears throat> After you clean the outside with a pair of care, you want to discard those gloves and make sure you wash your hands again. You can either use hand sanitizer or soap and water. Then you're going to, to don your sterile gloves to, to start the procedure. And then you want to position your patient, you know, you want to, or you want to position the drape on your patient. So the drape is kind of like a square drape and then it has a hole in the middle to either go over the uh, male's penis or right around the female's vagina. And then you want to make sure you use a syringe with the green plunger to deposit the lubricant into the tray. Because, you know, you have to use uh, KY jelly. Don't use any kind of Vaseline or any other kind of jelly because it can damage the Foley catheter and it may be uh, too abrasive for the patient. And then you want to remove the top tray. And then you want to attach the water to the inflation. You don't want to inflate it, but you want to attach the water syringe to the inflation balloon. Just don't pre-test it. All right. It's not, it's not recommended anymore. Remove the Foley catheter from the wrap lubricate it, 
Remember, whatever hand you're using, once it grabs and touches the penis or the, the vagina, that hand is no longer sterile. It's meant to, if it's a, it's a, if it's a male, you want to grab the penis and grab it like you mean it. Don't be a bitch. Manhandle that shit. Because once you start getting lubrication on it and the cleanser on it, it's too slippery. So you got to merely, and it'll help you if you grab it. And the same thing with the female. Make sure you sp spread the damn labia open wide and keep it open. Because if you don't and you haven't cleaned very well and your hand slip and it touches a catheter, it's not going to maintain sterility. If you need to, the CDC recommends that you have two people uh, inserting a Foley catheter because you can have somebody help you do all this. Once you've lubricated a catheter, you want to insert it. Now, if it's a female with a downward stroke, like I said, you, and it even says here with a downward stroke, you want to cleanse the right labia minora and discard the swab and repeat to the left. And then you want to uh, use the last swab to clean, cleanse right in the middle between the, between the two. With the male patient, you're going to cleanse the penis in a circular motion starting at the urethromiatus and working outward, just like you do with an alcohol pad uh, when you're doing an IV therapy. All right, so once you do that, you insert the Foley. And then once you insert the Foley, you're going to inflate the balloon. Then you're going to pull and tug, not tug too hard, but you're going to pull it back to make sure that the balloon is secure inside. And you should see urine draining out. Now, once you get it in, you want to make sure you maintain it. A Foley catheter is meant to be a closed system. A lot of nurses, you know, disconnect it, reconnect it. But every time you do that, just like with your damn IV, you disconnect it, you're increasing the risk for infection of your patient. So I think it's terrible that we don't maintain these closed systems. So why is aseptic insertion so important? Because look at this, 15 to 20 percent of patients that are hospitalized. So it says here the rate of catheter use may be rising. 15 to 20 percent of patients, 15 to 25 percent of patients get these. However, cardiac can be costly and it can kill people. Bacteria that enters the bladders, you know, they can cause severe urinary tract infections, which can lead to systemic infections. So we want to make sure that we're not hurting our patients. You want to make sure that you use a standard indwelling catheter kit. Uh, there's many that we have on the market. Your hospital system, wherever you work, typically buys these kits, you know, that already come pre-made, or maybe they make them their own. And if you don't like them, speak up. Talk to your manager. Talk to the person who orders these things and see what we can do to, you know, have a better outcome from our patients. You want to make sure you have a closed system because these are closed systems. All right. Meaning when you take the Foley, all the Foley kit apart, the bag and the catheter should already be attached together and not in separate pieces like we did in the older days. All right. So just keep that in mind. Ensure proper technique. Aseptic technique insertion is truly recommended. Many nurses and other clinicians, you have to leave, uh, relearn the proper technique because I know a lot of nurses out there still inflating the balloon before you insert it. That means you're old or somebody that's old taught you, or maybe because you haven't put in Foley's for a long time, you haven't re been retrained. But we should be, you know, having this training on an annual basis to make sure we have proper technique. So you want to make sure that, you know, you, you know how to do this properly. Uh, inserting clinicians should receive competency-based training and be able to demonstrate indwelling catheter insertion. Now, the problem is a lot of hospitals do their online competency training like we're doing here with the videos, but they never do the hands-on. So somebody should physically watch you to see that you're doing all right. Not that, that you're a terrible nurse, but everybody, including me, I don't know if I'm screwing shit up sometimes. 
It's always good to have a pair of eyes to watch you to make sure you're doing things right. Not to be an asshole, but to say, hey, look at you. You know, you just fucked that up, man. You got to start again, you know, and go through it so that we can we can get better. Practices right here. Pra according to the CZ CDC, practices should be observed and monitored in a real world setting, even after initial training to make sure we keep up our techniques. So watch this here. Contamination of the sterile field. 27% of people they watched contaminated their sterile field. Nurses touched items on the sterile field with bare hands or non-sterile gloves. Their, steth their stethoscope, you wear it, you bend over, boom, you already touch your shit. Your garments, your clothes and stuff, you know. So a lot of nurses, when they put in folic gathers, they don't put on a sterile gown. Why not? Put on a sterile gown. That way your clothes are not touching the sterile field. Um, contamination of catheter. 31% of nurses contaminated their catheter. Just like I said right here, the patient's labia closed over the catheter during insertion and contaminated catheter, and you didn't get a new one. That's because sometimes your hand gets really slippery and you're trying to open up the labia, and then you let go and boom, it touches it. So um, the catheter tip touches the genitalia before introducing into the urethra. So that's a big thing right there. And in breach of your sterile barrier, 38%. Sterile glove hand used to swab the genitalia, um, use the same hand to search. So a lot of people can't help it. They switch. That's a big thing when I'm teaching IV. People want to switch hands. I'm left-handed, so my brain always wants to use my left hand, but you got to tell your brain to tell your left hand to shut the fuck up. It has its job, and the right hand has its job. Same thing when you're inserting a Foley catheter. You got to be able to use both hands. A nurse inserting a catheter ripped her sterile glove, didn't get a new one. So these are things that happen all the time that we just don't pay attention. And this is not old. This is a recent. This is 2016, so it's not even 10 years old yet. So you got to keep that in mind. Uh, maintenance of a catheter. So you want to make sure you use appropriate hand hygiene and gloves. Properly secure the catheters. Make sure you use that stat lock. Um, don't use tape. Use the stat lock to, to securely proper, you know, to properly secure your catheter. Because, you know, if you're always getting your you know, urinary catheter tension on it, it can cause irritation and micro tears, and that can just have more sources for infection. You want to maintain a sterile closed drainage system. Don't be, you know, opening it and closing it. Maintain good hygiene of the catheter right at the urinary opening. Make sure you look at the tubes. Make sure the tubes aren't kink. You want to maintain unobstructed flow, right? I had a patient that came into the ED once from a damn nursing home, her urinary bag was empty and her fucking tubing was so crusted. And because she was a special needs client, she didn't know how to tell anybody. But when I took the Foley catheter out, I mean, there was so much fucking urine that went all the way down the damn gurney and stuff. I, I bet we let out at least 2,000 milliliters of urine and it was foul smelling and crusty. And I don't know what the fuck is wrong with nurses that they can't see this. Like the tubing's clear. If you start seeing shit in the tubing, let the physician know. Change the catheter. Take it out. Don't fucking do that to your patients. You want to maintain the drainage bag below the bladder at all times. And then don't change indwelling catheters or drainage bags arbitrarily. You know, don't just make up shit. You got to make sure that you pay attention to the guidelines and the evidence base so you do what's best for your patient. And then you want to document indication for urinary catheter on each day of use. Every day you got to chart why are you using this and why is it necessary? And what are you doing to get it out of the patient? 
The longer it stays in, the more at risk for the patient is at for infection. Again, maintain a closed system. If it breaks an aseptic technique, if you disconnect it or leakage occurs, replace the catheter using uh, aseptic technique and sterile equipment. Consider using urinary catheters with pre-connected sealed connected junctions. That's why a lot of times when they're already connected, you get this red tape that's wrapped around there, but you know, that's how I know that you've disconnected it because the red tape will come apart. Preventions of obstructions, you want to maintain the bag at all times below the level of the bladder. Ensure that the bag is emptied prior to transport. Um, make sure that you use a urinary catheter device, either a strap here, the strap or the secure lock. You know, I don't, I'm not promoting anything. I don't get money off of them, but the iStat or the, the, the stat lock that Bard makes and stuff is very nice. It's got sticky stuff that will stay to the leg and it hooks on there and it keeps the bag from moving around and tugging on the patient's urethra. Keep the bag off the floor. I mean, literally, you walk around, people shit and piss on the floor. You walk on it, and then you're dragging a urinary bag on the floor. Bacteria can get in there because if you look here in the picture, that's where you empty the urine. If you get bacteria in there, it's going to get back up in there. Yes, it can travel back up. It may take a while, but it can happen. And because it's a warm, dark, moist area, it, it likes to grow. So don't do that to your patient. You want to incorporate observation of urinary catheter and bag into your routine rounds. Every time you go in, check the patient, check your folded bag. Rotate it from one side to the other. Don't just leave it because you can cause um, you can cause the cubitus at the at the site of the Foley entrance. There was a patient in a local nursing home. He literally had to get his penis, the bottom half of his penis, like from the tip all the way almost to the scrotum by Miss Fat. Um, he he had to get his penis almost filleted in half from the top of his penis where the urinary catheter went in to the base of his scrotum because it got so infected because he got a decue because the foley was just hanging and it, at that pressure caused the decubitus right at the entryway. And so they if you just rotate it from one side to the other every time you go in or at least a couple of times a day, it won't cause that decubitus. Patients can't do that themselves. It's not their job. That's your job. Uh, make sure you perform a simple check prior to transportation, you know, transporting the patient. Is the catheter secure? Is the drainage bag empty? Check on your catheters often and make sure you keep that flow going. So just remember, make sure that you consider using checklists. Uh, make sure you explore how the unit, you know, make sure you look at your unit culture. Talk to everybody on a unit. Incorporate this in your, your um, annual competencies. In your huddles, talk about this. You know, you want to make sure you maintain the evidence-based guidelines when we're inserting and maintaining our urinary catheters. And then if the patient must have an indwelling urinary catheter, pay attention to the maintenance practices as well, right? It's not complicated. It's simple. You know, soap and water, pericare. Don't insert the damn Foley. I mean, so don't inflate the balloon before you insert the Foley catheter. Our patients, you know, they love us. They trust us. They want to make sure that you are doing what's best for them. So here I gave some references to, I don't know if there's a way for Jane. If you don't know who Jane is, she's the one that helps keep me, helps keep me and Starshima out of trouble and shit. She either beats me too much or she puts links and stuff. But here's some uh, references as well. And then I'll also make sure that she gets this. Um, I'll make sure that she gets this. Um, 
link and stuff as well from the video and stuff. So that way you can watch the video. I don't want to play it on here because I don't own it. But at least if I can send a link to you, I can make sure that you're able to watch it. You know, because so, we don't want to get in trouble for copyright or anything. But I highly encourage you. And if you don't understand anything or if you have any questions or you have input, reach out to me. Reach out to Starshima. Go to our Nurse to Nurse podcast a group on Facebook. Uh, I'll put in after Jane posts all this, I'll create like a little chat box for this particular topic and we could talk about it. We can discuss it. You can ask questions and stuff, um, but I'm always here to help you. Uh, don't forget to visit Starshima at Starshima Coach on uh, Instagram and maybe Twitter. I don't know if she has a Twitter or not, but Starshima is a coach. You know, she's a mentor. She's a teacher. She's a colleague. So don't be afraid to help her. And then you can reach out to us at more than CPR .com. You know, I teach ACLS and PALS. I teach classes like this. Um, I do legal nurse consulting. So if you need my help or you need some classes, you need us to come out to your facility. We come out to your facility to train as well. All right. So I appreciate you guys. I know it's only 30 minutes, but it's just a short little uh, class to try to help you improve. And I'm going to do more of these. Just hope I get to do it with Starshima so I'm not here by myself. Because I like to get feedback from other nurses as well who may or may not see stories or may have uh, evidence-based information to help make us better. All right. So I appreciate you guys. You have a great night. Thanks for listening and hope to see you again.